1: Hello, ladies. Hello, gentlemen. This is the Victor Davis Hanson Show. I'm Jack Fowler, the host. We are recording on Saturday, the 19th of November. Victor Davis Hanson is the Martin and Ely Anderson Senior Fellow at the Hoover Institution and the Wayne and Marsha Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. Uh, Victor hangs his hat on the web at victorhanson.com. And we will talk about why you should be subscribing to that later in this podcast. Lots of political things to discuss on today's episode. Donald Trump announces for the presidency in 2024. And before you can say Jackie Robinson, Merrick Garland has announced a special prosecutor to look into Donald Trump. And we're going to talk about that first on this episode right after these important messages.
3: And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place.
1: We're back with the Victor Davis Hansen show. So, Victor, pretty simple. Uh, Donald Trump announces as he was expected to only expectation was he didn't that he didn't announce before the midterm elections. He held off till, till after. Um, What did you think of his announcement and, or the reaction to the announcement, particularly the political um, reaction to his announcement from Merrick Garland, the thing which the Biden white house said they knew nothing. They did not
4: know that was coming. Victor big ball there to. Yeah. Well, he, he, uh, he he gave a speech, and I think he was told, or he himself decided that about five things had to be in it. One, he would not be loud, accusatory, tone wise. Two, he would not mention steal, the stolen, so-called stolen election. Three, he would tell people to go out and vote for Herschel Walker. Four, he would dispassionately or passionately, but systematically review, do it in four things. One, review the Biden dismal record. Two, remind everybody that what Biden inherited that was working. Three, tell everybody what he was going to do if he were to be reelected. And four, just comment on what the hell happened to the United States, sort of emotional stuff. And, And he did all that. But it was over an hour and he's in, he's in a matrix that he's created or a paradox, I should say that fiery Donald Trump is what gets people out to rallies. But this was sort of, I don't know, sluggish, inert. But part of that getting people out of, of rallies is he's completely wild and undisciplined. He can say anything at any anywhere about anything. And when he doesn't do that and he's quiet, he's not Trump, And so it'll be very interesting to see that he did, I mean, even people like Lindsey Graham or the Washington, um, the New York, excuse me, the Wall Street Journal, they, they all like that. So now the question is, we've got Ron DeSantis as the favorite of the never Trump people. I don't mean that as never, never Trump, but the people within the party who have voted for Trump, but now would prefer DeSantis. And we've got Trump and supposedly Pompeo and Haley and, and Scott and Pence are then jumping jump and maybe some more. And the question will be, uh, can Donald Trump restrain himself uh, and not respond to provocation as he always has in the past? Specifically, will he not say that Glenn Youngkin has a Chinese name or Chow Chow or whatever or Mitch McConnell's wife? or dissent and sanctimonious, that type of stuff. Because he's got the critique of Biden down, he's got the solution down, he's got the record down, but now people feel that there's choices other than Trump, unlike the 2016 candidates like Jeb or others that would not close the border, or they they didn't believe in cracking down on China, or they weren't interested in you know, just going full bore on energy. So his mega agenda is institutionalized, not going back to Romneyism and McCainism. The never-Trumpers, the never-never-Trumpers, they're never coming back, but we're going to have a primary, and we're going to see if Trump can be disciplined, and we're going to see if DeSantis is Ronald Reagan or Scott Walker, and that's where we are. And may the best person win. I believe in primaries. I believe the people decide. I got very angry during the the primaries when people said, Trump shouldn't have picked that candidate. He shouldn't have picked Blake Master. What do you mean? He didn't pick Blake Master. He didn't say, you're going to run our house. Blake Masters ran. He endorsed him. That's a free country. And he can win or lose. And if you think Blake Masters was a good candidate, they voted for him. They thought it was a bad one. He didn't. And that's the way it goes. And the candidate is what people vote for. they voted for J.D., and they didn't advance, and they didn't vote for masters. But this is a free country, so bring the primaries on. I think this is all healthy. But one last thing, Jack. You ask why uh, the announcement timing? Well, it's the same thing with this this slobby, slovenly character, Sam Bankman Free. Everybody knew from the SEC to the DOJ to the DNC that got over 60 million this cycle that this guy was a total fraud. He was a Ponzi scheme. He may make Bernie Madoff look like small potato. I mean, it's a $40 billion meltdown and actual real money. And it might have been 11 or 12 billion. But it's not accounted for. Destroyed a million people's investments, probably destroyed lives as well. And, you know, We'll talk about him in a bit, but my point is they knew that before the midterm and they deliberately delayed in cahoots with the media. The media did not break that story and they knew about it, just like they knew that right. Merrick Garland was going to uh, have a special prosecutor. And the special prosecutor, just to continue that very quickly. Yeah, that, talk about that. Please, that, that brings King. up a lot of questions because the first is the what about him and the quality or quality under the law. So there's two aspects of that. If you're going to say that Donald Trump needs a special prosecutor, and we're told he does for two reasons. One, the Mar-Lago raid. But while he was crafting that, we learned from leaks from the FBI or maybe even the DOJ that there was nothing in the Mar-Lago raid. That there were not quote-unquote nuclear secrets, no bombshells. They were, and there were not things that, as the left said, he wants to peddle and make money. They were just mementos like every president. And every president has a little bit of beef where the line stops between this guy gave me this as a personal gift, not as a United States. so he brought letters and stuff. But that's not going to find anything. So the other half of it was he was in, in, inciting insurrection, and there's two problems there. One, he has been washed, spun, dried by the January 6th All the bombshells have come out. And there's nothing there that shows that the president of the United States organized or planned or encouraged an insurrection. If he disagrees with the vote totally, and he wants things to be done, then he's doing what Hillary Clinton did. And she said, this president is not legitimate. Joe Biden, if you lose the popular vote, I do not want you to concede. Resist. I'm part of the resistance. That's what she said. He didn't. Then Stacey Abrams toured the country for two years saying this was illegitimate. This right. vote was fraudulent. I am the real government. So people in and out of office do that all the time.
1: Yeah. And if I may, Victor, as we know, several members of that committee. Themselves, Raskin and others in the past had Raskin. also
4: been election deniers. Raskin, I think, wrote a book about Dick Cheney cheated in the, in the election. And I think Benny, what's his name? Johnson or is it Benny, that? the chairman? Yeah. He was a no. 2004 election denier. He voted not to accept the results in Ohio and said that the computers along with 30 something other Democratic candidates. So I don't think they're going to find anything. So what it will be the result of. Well, there's going to be a couple of results. One, people are going to get so sick of this, the Mar-a-Lago way, the Mueller investigation, the two impeachments, the impeachment after he left off, the Alpha Bank folks, the Hunter Live laptop folks. So they're either going to, they may have empathy for Trump, or maybe, you know, he's once again, he's, he's Wiley Coyote and Road He's Road Runner and they're Wiley Coyote or, uh, they're going to shoot themselves in the foot because some of the polls are starting to show that DeSantis and a one-on-one with Biden would run better than Trump. That's so preliminary, it's meaningless. But my point is, they are so fixated on Donald Trump and they hate him so much. And this obsession is so destructive to him that they may do what a lot of the Republican establishment want done, but they don't know how to do it. In other words, make Donald Trump a non-viable candidate to open the way for another candidate.
1: Don't you think, Victor, that he also, an immediate visceral reaction from any number of people, not necessarily, you know, political junkies could be, what, another prosecute? This seems like, I don't like Trump, but they clearly uh, have a vendetta going after yeah, him, our true. government,
4: you know. That's so there's a sympathy creation there, there, I think. There is. That's what I said. It can really, it could really help Trump. And more importantly, these people are so self-absorbed, narcissistic. They don't understand that there's going to come a day once upon a time that there will be a democratic loss of the Senate and a democratic loss of the House and a democratic loss of the presidency. And they have set up precedents. And what are those precedents? Tear up the State of the Union and put it in the face of the president if you don't like him. Tell those squad members, tell anybody that you, the House Minority Leader, that they can't appoint anybody, that I'm not going to approve them as speaker. So, you know what? No squad members. Or uh, maybe they're going to say, you know what? We don't like impeaching the president in his first term, and especially twice but the next time we control the house and we lose a president, we're going to impeach a president twice and maybe we'll that will be as soon as this next january who knows and maybe just maybe when a president leaves office he will be impeached and maybe just maybe we'll raid his house so they they are setting, and we're not even getting into pack the core uh get rid of the toolbox so they they are doing things of short-term apparent utility to them that have long-term damages to this to the nation and maybe we'll boomerang back on them right they, they better be very careful what they're it, doing
1: and not to be macabre but it could happen sooner than later i mean if herschel walker wins his uh, special election uh hype uh, you know that's and it's a 50 50 tied senate um yeah, ma- many <laughs> many a close close uh um, s- senate majority has been has been affected by the death of a member what if there's a democrat senator from a state that has a republican governor
4: and you know, who appoints a re- so uh, so things could happen Our uh, or they can, or biden could get so bad that joe manchin thinks that he's gonna yeah. down the tubes when he's running for senate next cycle and he yeah. might flip but and Herschel Walker can win because those 70,000 libertarian votes, uh, when that guy pulled out, he didn't really pull out early enough because right. of the mail on ballot. And he could get 40 or 50,000 more votes, votes. And if Kemp really wants to, and I think he probably will, he can unleash that huge machine he has of get out the vote money throughout the entire government of the state of Georgia and help Walker. And Donald right. Trump, if he was smart, would not go down there and get on stage with, with walker but he would say i want he said that during his, his acceptance speech but he would say i want herschel walker to win and i'm writing him a check for 10 million dollars out of my pack and if he did that right he walk, and he would get that entire base that was not there in 2021 in the special election and he'd win yeah I think, and i think you're right that it would put a lot of pressure back on the democrats but
1: well, Victor, do you have any uh, thoughts about Merrick Garland himself? I know you. I know this. I know you do. But um, for his uh, posturing uh, in the in this last week, calling for the special
4: prosecutor of Donald Trump. The whole thing is such a lie. I mean, this all came out of the White House. Joe Biden was on record whining you know no it didn't didn't you hear the, the, the my I husband know, it was murder in the cathedral <laughs> will not right. somebody
1: get rid right. of man and what he <laughs> meant was that, yeah, rid me, yeah rid me of this troublesome priest yes yeah yes. Right. And
4: he, we know that he was trashing garland and saying that he was more of a judge had a judicial rather than prosecutorial mindset so my merit garland has been a broken man he's been a broken man since Mitch mcconnell broke him and he is scared of his own shadow and he does whatever the, the Biden White House. He he's, has the same relations as Eric Holder did with Obama. He's their Biden's wingman. He's not an independent attorney general. And so he did this and he, he timed it not to hurt the Democratic candidates. We know that. And the only thing that's kind of troubling about this, if you look at John Durham. Uh, special. This is the first time in my memory we have 2 now non-special counsel. But Durham was very different. He didn't leak whatsoever. There was no leaks. You didn't know he was going to indict Susan. You didn't know about Chashinko. You didn't know any of that. Even Eric Kleinsman, you didn't know any of it. And he was completely smothered and cut out of news coverage. The New York Times, the Washington Post didn't say a word. And he had to deal with a North Northern Virginia or an interior DC jury, which is impossible to get a 12-person left-wing jury to convict a left-wing figure. But, but this special prosecutor—they're going to leak like crazy, just like the Mueller investigation, and the New York Times, and the Washington Post, and the LA Times, and the NPR—they're going to run with every whistle. Uh, Walls are closing in. The latest bombshell leak, and they're going to pick a jury in Washington that is hardcore left. And so I think that there they will indict Donald Trump. They really do. And if they do indict him, he will he he can be convicted if it's a, the jury is in Northern Virginia or in Washington D.C. Or he's just cut with a thousand little nicks as he was with the Mueller investigation. Right. And it, it's really, it's really scary because we are really back to Argentina and Brazil type politics. And when you go out of office, then you're, you're a big target because they, they will weaponize the FBI. And, and by right. the way, when talking about the FBI, when you saw Christopher Ray on that testimony, when he said he had, he could not talk about the informants in January 6th because He had a meeting to make, that was a few weeks ago, and he had a plane plane ready. Well, what he didn't tell them is he had a private American government plane that he uses for business, but he was using for his personal uh, taxi service to the Ariane docks because he he didn't want to talk to Brassel. What's the difference between that and Steve Bannon saying, I'm a private citizen and I'm not going to go to the January 6th committee? He was, yeah, Victor. I think he said, uh, first
1: of all, I have to, tra- it's, it's, it, he didn't say it's the law, but I, as the FBI director, I have to take the private plane no matter where I go. And yes, it was on vacation, but it was prearranged that I only could, had to speak so, so long.
4: And oh, wow, it's so Jesuitical. Yeah, he, so, I know he, he, and he's been, if you put this in context, look at the last four, Directors. We had Robert Mueller, who ran, just didn't know where he was. He was Biden-esque in his non mente state daughter, and he turned it over to this cell at Andrew Wiseman. That special group of people in cahoots with the FBI, they lost phone records, uh, cell phone data was erased. They had to get rid of Peter Strzok and Lisa Page. They staggered their firing so nobody would know about their text exchange. They were all biased. The Green Team, the All-Stars, the Hundred Killer Team, as all of the Washington Post columnists giddily boasted about. Okay. Then he went before Devin, News' committee, and he said, I don't know what the SEAL dossier heard GPS, Fusion, Clint Simpson, ah, uh, no, I don't know anything about it. Those were the two, as I've said a number of times, those were the two catalysts for, that started the whole thing. So he was lying on the road. Then we get James Comey, who came in. James Comey went to the committee, 245 times were told, said, I don't remember, I don't recall, I don't know. Nobody can do that to a president investigator. He lied. He lied when he said to the president of the United States, you are not under investigation. He was under active investigation. Then he took FBI devices on FBI time and what he called memorialized a private confidential conversation with the president of the United States, and then he leaked it. To a third party who leaked it to the New York Times. Think about that. And then we come to his successor, and that was Andrew McKay. He lied by his own admission four times under oath to federal investigators who were investigating who was responsible for these leaks. He had no consequences at all. And I'd like, I mean, I'm not a person who doesn't like A.G. Barr, but my God, When Barr let him go and said there would be no purpose in prosecuting him, he set an example. He said if the highest law enforcement officer of the federal government, the head of the FBI, the director, can lie not once, not twice, not three times, not four times, but four times under oath, and the attorney general of the United States will do nothing, then what credibility does he have? and he let him off and then we come to christopher ray and what is christopher ray going to be known for for the performance art raid on mar to putting peter navarro in handcuffs on his legs to ambushing people at the airport and taking their cell phone and jamie um, john eastman to that um, anti-abortion activist they raided his home and terrified his wife and took him away in chains. That's and James O'Keefe. They came in in the mid wee hours of the night, marched him out of his underwear. What do they ever did? They ever been him for anything? Why? Because they had turned into a personal retrieval service for the Biden family to find Why? Right. When Hunter loses when when Hunter lies on his uh, application for a gun and he throws it into a dumpster as his wife does, they want to find okay. the gun, call in the FBI or the sequence. Yeah. Ashley Biden has a revealing diary where she confesses on one page that she was a little bit too mature to be taking a shower with her father, mm. and it's lost—not stolen, but given a, given that she's a Biden, she just and given that she's related to Hunter, she just left it in an apartment in the and the uh, yeah next, in a hotel. Didn't she like stick it under a mattress or yeah. something? And the next, <laughs> time, it, I think it was an extended, you know oh yeah like airbnb or, or something and the yeah, next yeah. occupant found it and said oh yeah and so she didn't st- nobody stole it and so that's what this fbi has become and it's just it, so they don't have any credibility so if they are going to be the investigatory agency that is going to try to do what tell us what donald trump did wrong on january 6 when we know now that there was a number of FBI informants, and Christopher Ray won't tell us how many, but it's all leaked out that there were many in the Proud Boys, six, seven, eight. We had Michael Rosenberg, the New York Times supposed expert investigatory reporter on January 6th. He got caught in a hot mic with James O'Keefe when he said, ha, <laughs> it was a joke. Everybody was psychodrama. They were just, oh, I'm afraid. It was just a carnival a- atmosphere of a bunch of buffoons. There were my, I could, I walked out, I saw all the FBI informants I knew. Remember that? And so I just, I think the FBI is inert, extinct. It, it, it has no public support. Um, right. It's infiltrated the kidnapping, uh, kidnapping, quote unquote plot with the Michigan governor. That was pretty much half the people were acquitted. And we don't know what will happen to the other one, but. They're doing things and we're not even getting into the Virginia school board or going into right. L.A. safety deposit boxes and rifling through them. They're just out of control and they're weaponized. And I don't see that ever happening until the next president fires, not just the director, Christopher Ray, but the entire hierarchy. Because you look at right. and you know where they go. Either msnbc or <laughs> yeah. yeah or facebook or twitter isn't james baker well they,
1: right they become head of security for yeah. some massive corporation yeah uh,
4: mostly you know mostly the people they worked with while they were in the fbi i.e right. silicon valley to suppress the news and right speak.
1: they will all cash in they they always they always do hey victor um there's another um well, we brought up already this, the Hunter Biden uh, investigation, but let's get your thoughts on that uh, right after these important messages.
2: Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe, now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall.
1: Back with the Victor Davis Hansen show. I'm Jack Fowler here in Connecticut. Chilly, cold, freezing temperature, blue sky. Thanksgiving is uh, on its way. Victor, I hope everything's coolio out there in California. Although I I heard on your recording with um, with Sammy most recent podcast that expected rains um
4: uh, didn't show up. So they did not show up when we're no drought. Yeah. They show up thrilling. in the wrong places i was in denver coming home from oklahoma city and maybe three inches <laughs> paralyzed the entire airport it was something to see yeah i'd like to
1: remind our listeners th- that there is a website called victorhansen.com and uh, if you went there today there's a ton of stuff to read and, and for example uh, v- victor mentioned at the beginning of the show about primaries well he's got here's his, his most recent syndicated column which is also you write this Victor for American Greatness, Let the people decide, so you can read what Victor writes there, but there is a lot of material that he writes that is exclusive to the website, and it's um it's called Ultra, and you can read it, but by subscription i, I really would, I would like to recommend uh, and I told you this victor I wrote th- this this um three part series you wrote again exclusive for the website a drive into oblivion is one of the most uh, beautiful and poignant pieces of writing uh, i've i've seen in such a long time but there's there's really really a lot of 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 ultra content there so so go there But walk walk around, let your fingers do the walking around the website and consider subscribing. It's five bucks to test it out, $50 for the year. So that's VictorHansen.com. But also I'd like to recommend, Victor, since I'm hawking for you right now, you'll find a lot of book links there. And Christmas is coming up, and if there's someone in your life, just for example, who loves military history, I really want to recommend the the Second World Wars of of the many books Victor has written. That's just one. Check out the books um, at VictorHanson.com. Quickly, for me, Jack Fowler, I write Civil Thoughts, a free weekly email newsletter for the Center for Civil Society at American Philanthropic, and you can sign up for it at CivilThoughts.com. Again, it's free. I, I, I give a dozen plus recommended readings of worthwhile, important articles that I've come across the week before. Here are the links. Here's an excerpt. I think you'll like it. Sign up, CivilThoughts.com. Victor, uh, this week, I, I believe it was on Thursday, after there was some, it was confirmed that Republicans were going to control the House of Representatives and as we speak right now I think they have 219 votes uh um as you mentioned there are three I think there are three remaining California races as yet undecided it may get up to you know 220 221 anyway Republicans are controlling the House of Representatives and uh, James uh, Comer and Jim Jordan uh had a press conference where they discuss that the the there will be an investigation of hunter biden and i believe more fully the biden family how involved what exactly was hunter biden doing who was involved with him was the president of the united states involved in this so victor uh, not unexpected i I'm, I'm wondering if you had any thoughts if you if you could reco- well you can say whatever you want about that of course but I'd be interested if you were advising this committee on how to proceed in a public way, because so many times we've experienced these things in the past, Republicans have a special committee, they investigate and okay, there's an adversarial media. it goes seems to go nowhere. This has the same potential of being suppressed by by you know by social media, et cetera. But what is there any advice you would have for the committee on how to proceed? And if not, what are your general thoughts about uh,
4: this special committee? Well, you're going to make a good point because we're going to have two investigations going on. And one is going to be an investigation by Merrick Garland's special counsel. And he's going to have the entire investigatory expertise of the whole federal DOJ. And those investigations have unlimited budgets. They have professional lawyers. And then we're going to have an investigation by a House committee and they're going to be politicians and less adept lawyers that are staffers. And my experience is that, whether it's the remember the Benghazi hearing, there's a lot of hype, a lot of expectations, there's a lot of grilling, but lying to a House committee, as we saw with James Comey, We saw with John Brennan, with the Senate committee, we saw with James Clapper. I think we saw with Mueller, has very little consequence. Right. right? And we're going to see if they can even subpoena, because we know that if you don't go to a Democratic committee, I should say Democratic majority committee, you'll go to jail, as in the case of Steve Bannon. If If you say, screw you, the Republican committee, like Eric Holder, did, nothing happens. So, you get a
1: gig. You get yeah, a, You get so speaking fees. I would fees, be so. very
4: surprised if a lot of witnesses say, screw you, I'm not going to go. And then they say, oh, you're going to send a criminal referral? Oh, send it to Merrick Garland. That's not. And so that's one problem. Then you've got a lot of grandstanding politicians that, that hype what they're going to say, and they get loud, and they have all these histrionics, but they don't act like uh, prosecuting attorney. And they're not as experienced. Some of them have been, but they've lost their touch. So I don't expect a lot, except what they need to do is concentrate not on might have, could have, should have, but what actually happened in the sense of what data they have. And that's where Bobolinsky comes in. He actually has emails. He turned them over to the FBI that show that the Biden family monetized Joe Biden's vice presidential position and got a lot of money. And there's data, apparently, about how much money they had. And all they have to do is ask, was this money reported to the IRS? And what was the money given to for? And they, that, that's very narrow is what I'm trying to say. Don't go branch out into all of these crazy other things. Just ask yourself, how much money came into the Biden syndicate? Who distributed it? And did they pay federal income tax it? No. And so, because of this is going to be also besides a special counsel against Trump, there's going to be there's also an ongoing tax, um, not a special. I mean, there's just federal attorneys looking at this tax records. So we'll we'll see. But I'm, I don't have a lot of expectations because the House or Senate investigatory committees never turn out to be as powerful or have the resources or the expertise of these special counsels or the regular doj yes. doj investigation yeah
1: yeah I, to me victor uh i despite the suppression of the hunter biden story for the last two plus years i kind of find it difficult to believe that any american that follows the news really hasn't heard of it by now one way or another would be hunter biden laptop i've never heard of that I, I doubt that would be the case so i, I kind of think there's uh, as you, as can happen in politics I've been there done that didn't didn't we already deal with that or it's been around a long time nothing's come of it but and, and maybe there's something i really don't care. personally i don't care about hunter biden I care about the big guy getting his not only getting his ten percent, but as uh, Tony Bobulowski, when he was on um, Tucker Carlson several weeks ago, I mean there was a real uh, interest, the, the belief that the, these, this family was going to cash in. I don't even think millions. I think they thought they were going to cash in for billions. Well, and, and, and with the China, and with Red China. I mean, just,
4: at, while he was vice president, I know it's, when you look at the number of homes they had, that big beautiful. State they have, by the ocean, and they have, what, three homes, four homes, and the lifestyle. Ask yourself, can you afford the maintenance or the acquisition of these things, right. right. either as a senator or as a vice president, or in just a mere four years as a citizen, which is during the Trump years, is when he really cashed in. Uh, he cashed in as vice president, but he had to be a little careful about Hunter's activity directly enriching him. But my God, I don't think he was, well, I'm trying to say he had a lifestyle that was not commiserate with a federal salary before he became a right. private citizen. But in that right. four year period, that's when wink and nod. I'm going to be president someday. Therefore monetize me even more. But I don't think he could have made that much money in four years as a private citizen. To justify all the things he was enjoying and so yeah all they have to do it's not easy but all they have to do is find deposits 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 right but the, the money is such a magnitude it couldn't have come in cash where's the money and did he pay income that's right. all he has to do and then he needs to look at how much money he gave back to hunter because I think it's the federal law now is what? 17,000.
1: Right. Everything over that is uh, 50% uh,
4: tax. Yep. Tax. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. But the thing about this whole discussion that we're having, there's a simple principle that the Democratic Party and the progressive left and the neo-socialists have all saturated the media, social media, NPR, PBS, Network News, celebrities, academia, the whole culture milieu with the idea that we are for equity. We are a, a quality of result party. We are empathetic. And therefore, from time to time, we go a little bit overboard. We bend the rules a little bit because we're so generous. And you can really see that when we get into the discussion of Bankman Creek. He, yeah, he's on record with saying <laughs> right. I I uh these woksters really got fooled when I did it and basically he said I mouthed all this um diversity at E S G right yeah, yeah. and I, I I was a bandit. And so that's that's what this whole thing's about. And yeah. for Republicans to do the same thing, they are blasted because they're hyper-individuals. All they care about is capitalists getting money for themselves. They get no margin of error because they're greedy bastards. But us, sometimes we're sloppy. Sometimes we're distracted. Sometimes you can even hear this argument from Bankman Fried's mother, the Sanford Law School professor that was with this pack that was channeling dark money from Silicon Valley, uh, stealthily to candidates. Oh, I, I resigned. It was just, it was, it was kind of on you know it was kind of confusing and that, that's how they operate yeah
1: they get a hold it We're going to, um, just to let our listeners know, we record two episodes uh, when we do record. So, we're going to talk about um, the man, my my wife says, uh, Bankman Freed. She says, Bankman Fried. It sounds like one of these uh, uh, morality names from from a Victorian novel. Uh, We'll talk about that on the next podcast we record. We've got a couple other political things to to talk about on this one, Victor, and, and we'll wrap up the show with these two topics. One is um, Nancy Pelosi and Steny Hoyer are stepping down from the elite House leadership. And then the other item is Ali uh, Zeldin, the uh, came close uh, Republican candidate for governor in New York is considering taking on the chairmanship of uh, the Republican party. And we'll get your thoughts on Victor's thoughts on, on these matters, uh, right after this
2: important message. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you, I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road.
1: With the Victor Davis Hanson Show, hey, I just want to give a hat tip uh, to um, the Victor Davis Hanson Fan Club on Facebook. If you're on Facebook, you should check it out. You should also check out Victor's own page and Victor, VDH's Morning Cup. You should sign up for that. And if you are on Twitter, he's uh, his handle is at VDHanson. So, Victor, um, Nancy Pelosi... Has announced she is uh, will not be the Democrat leader, and Steny Hoyer, who has been the number two for ages, I, I think even. Uh, he's been in the leadership whether or not Pelosi's been in it or not I think most you, yeah. um he he is standing down too as a leader it's time for a new leadership I don't know why they didn't say this before the elections and Hakeem uh, Jeffries who is a, a congressman from from New York City Brooklyn and and Queens uh, he looks to be the presumptive Democrat leader victor any thoughts on the um the end of the pelosi Hoyer era e- e-r-r-o-r or e-r-a
4: yeah i was really shocked about um, these people who you know they all almost act as if she was you know, henry clay or somebody they just went on and on and on about how wonderful she's i mean is. Just look at what she did the last few years. She gave all these lectures about mask and mask and mask and mask. And then she sneaks out to her hairdresser and breaks the quarantine. She talks about sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. Then she issues a video about her $25,000 twin subarctic uh, refrigerators and her, what, $11 a pint ice cream that's delivered to her door. She says that we shouldn't bus migrants northward because they're necessary to pick crops. And uh, you add her husband in, this mysterious car wreck, and then all of this news about the break-in of the Pelosi house. It has one common that I don't have any idea what happened, but I do know that every single news cycle has a new iteration. He didn't answer the door. He did answer the door. He did go with the police. He didn't go with the police. The police knew they were there. They didn't know who who was there. They called the 911. Well, the police who arrived didn't know it was resident, but they did know it. And all of that stuff. And then, you know, she'll be known also as the only speaker of the House who tore up the State of the Union on national TV. And, you know... January 6th was an excitable moment, but she's on tape saying she wants to punch the president of the United States in the face. And he wish, she wishes he would come right there. And then her daughter, remember, using her maiden name Pelosi, rather than a married name, so everybody know the Pelosi feeling right after Rand Paul was seriously battered, the collapsed lung, um, broken ribs, soon to be pneumonia. And she floats and says, I think the neighbor's right. And uh, so I'm not, I, I don't, she's part of this zip code, this Diane Feinstein billionaire uh, whose h- late husband had heavy investments in China, who had a Chinese spy as her chauffeur for 20 years when she was head of the Senate Intelligence Committee, and he just shrugged. She's Nancy Pelosi that lives nearby in another similar mansion. She's Gavin Newsom. The creation of the Getty family with all of his inside money. She's Barbara Boxer, a senator for nearly 20 years in Wooddale, and down, I guess from Rancho Mirage or somewhere down there. She's a registered Chinese agent. And so she's she's the face of all of these people. Elizabeth Holmes, Samuel Bankman, Fried, all of these people. They all come out of the nexus between San Jose and San Francisco. They're all very left wing they all virtue signal. They all performance art. Their work is in. And, right. and, and they use their knowledge of government and public service to make a lot of money. And yeah. they are hyper-capitalists, and they like, nice yeah, they like nice things. They like nice things. They like sub refrigerators and designer ice cream, and they want you to know about it. Mm-hmm. They got big Tahoe estates, and they want you to know about it. And they like to go down to, in the case of this young man, to the Bahamas and have polyamorous relationships and they want you to know about it. So there's something toxic about that culture that we really haven't explored that kind of a trifecta between UC Berkeley, Stanford University, Silicon Valley. And we can talk about that when we get the banking period, but it's not. Yeah, right. Yeah. As As far as the other. You know, the people who are taking George Will, you remember did he didn't he write an article, about What a great uh, a great young man and this is gonna be the substitution of the Republican Party when we have a Hakeem Jeffries who's gonna read that he was a moderate and he's gonna read the Democratic Party to great great
1: Can I yeah. tell you something about he may have I can't this is funny. Remember the the. Uh the uh, Claude Pepper when Claude Pepper yeah. ran for Senate and his opponent was I think Smathers. Actually, yeah, and, and Smathers said my opponent, his you know his sister is a trans uh, is a uh, thesbian and things. Like that, you know, using using uh, three syllable words to confuse the the electorate. And Jeffries did something in a weird way similar. When he first was running for office in New York, he saw, oh, you know, I don't want to make any deal of the fact that my that I'm a Christian who goes to Baptist uh, church, and my opponent is a, uh, of course, practicing Muslim. And he did two or three things like that. That kind of sh- and his opponent, this guy was a was a dirt Democrat dirtbag too. This was a Democrat primary for state, a state house or a city council. seat, But he's, um, you know, there's no freaking halo around his head. Uh, that said, he may be a pre- presentable candidate. I, I just remember him
4: <laughs> from the column that Will wrote, and then I remember yeah. when Tara Reid came forward, and he was, he, like Kamala Harris, was trying to, I think he was for Kamala Harris at that time or whatever, during that 2020 twenty primary. But yeah. He mentioned that and said that she should to, to rephrase that. What's the senator from Hawaii? Uh, Mizeo. Mize, uh, oh my gosh. She, I we, can't women, women must be believed. and right. She basically said that about Cara Reed That This is serious. She's got right. to be believed. And then, of course, when Biden got the nomination, she to be dismissed as a liar. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know what to say. But
1: and well, we'll see. We'll see soon enough. So, hey, on uh, the other the other story, I mentioned Victor, and I will torture our listeners for just a half a minute here. Uh, so Lee Zeldin, um, he came pretty close to to uh, knocking off Kathy Hochul, but he had a, a, a broader success in New York. I think he was part of that success. New York uh, flipped several uh, house seats, so he sent out a. a I guess these people are reaching out to him, very impressed by what he did or came close to doing. And um, so he wrote the other day, to uh, republican national committee members i'm very seriously considering your requests grateful for your messages and this is what he he wrote the um you know the republican party should compete in all 50 states ensure we are driving our turnout with our base we also need to go to all communities no matter how blue they are show up often build relationships and advance our proposals on education upward economic mobility, housing, mental health, public safety, and more. This means making sure people know what we stand for and not just what we are against. The effectiveness and success of this vision is reflected in the red wave that decimated Democrats in New York this cycle, flipping four congressional seats from blue to red, the most in the entire country, and taking out the chair of the Democrat Congressional Campaign Committee, while also holding several key Targeted house seats in the state. The key was to run as one team, top down and bottom up. We organized, collaborated, stayed on message, remained disciplined, and put in max effort every single day, etc. So I, I, you know, I think there's, um, I think he's accurately descri- describing um, the a broad campaign strategy in New York that showed success. Um, You know, you wonder, you know, if the the Michigan Republican Party could have had, you know, half of that. So he's a very appealing figure right now for the party, and Rona McDaniel, who is um, who is the current chairman of the party, so she's going to run. Uh, So. Okay does does it matter do we really care who's the chairman of the Republican Party national p- committee uh most people don't know or follow it i think it's interesting and and worthwhile and he may he may be somebody who is consequential in that position well,
4: he's, run, uh, he's run for something he's run for something he's conducted a campaign he's run as an ounce outs- i mean as a red candidate in the blue state he did very well the margin of his defeat are essentially the number of people who moved down to Florida in the last two years. So he did it very, and he probably helped keep the house by those New York congressional seats that flipped. So yeah, I think he deserved it. But more importantly, if you lose in 2000, are you sorely disappointed in 2022 and you lose in 2020 the presidency and you lose 40 plus house seats in 2000, 18. At some point, you need new leadership. It just, you know, the captain of the ship goes down with it if it's sinking. And so they need to get a New See, I like her, Lauren McGahn, but it, it hasn't worked that well on the national level is what I'm trying to say. And they need a new person who's an ideal person. And I would extend that philosophy to Mitch McConnell, although he knows the whole maze and labyrinth of the Senate. Had he had a different attitude, and his attitude had have been, I have a lot, hundreds of millions of dollars, and I'm going to be Senate majority leader, and we're going to be Senate majority party rather than we may or may not get the house, but damn it, I'm going to remain the Senate minority leader. He had a different attitude. He would have showered Lake Masters and other people with more money, and that might have, one seat might have made the difference. Had he given Oz more money earlier and more encouragement, and had he given Blake Masters money, I think they could have won. And so, I don't, yes. think he, I don't think he should have been reappointed. Anybody who is in charge when they lose and they lose and they lose in a manner that could have been avoided, I don't think deserves to be reappointed.
2: You know, I was just well, thinking that
4: just came to my mind when you mentioned Hiking Jeffries. Right. Get off the topic just a second. That guy was a nephew of Lionel, I think his name was Lionel Jeffries or Leonard Jeffries. And he was a, uh, I, I, I got to know him, Leonard Jeffries. I remember him because uh, I spoke at Wellesley as a classicist and he was the Afos, Afrocentric person that talked about ice people, and some people oh uh, yeah yeah remember him yeah yeah yeah. he had that big lawsuit uh, that they removed him because he was so anti-Semitic he hated Jews so much he could not restrain himself and he went after Mary along with other afro he went after Mary Lefkowitz the distinguished classicist from Wells in college who wrote a book called Not Out of Africa kind of debunking the whole idea that Greece was a product of a black African, right, Egyptian um, origin, which was Socrates black. was black, Plato was yeah. black, or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. You no, know, yeah. it's kind of ridiculous. They took pictures. I mean, they looked at statuary from the Roman period of uh, Socrates in very racist fashion. They said, "Look, he look, has African American features," but this guy's uncle was the leader of that, and he was a complete nut, and he was a racist and an anti-Semite. And he was removed as chairman and sued. They gave him a ton of money to get back. And, it's, and so that's how I know I can. Uh, OK, well, uh, what, what George Will's voice of moderation. <laughs> well, uh, I, I don't know. Victor,
1: you 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 mentioned a couple of episodes. There's certain people you read and uh, you take the opposite view. People who are allegedly you know, on our side of the ledger. Right. And when it comes to uh, George Will, who I must admit, you know, I, I was the publisher of National Review. He had worked at National Review once at a time long before I was there. But uh, um, when he started attacking... Um, Whitaker Chambers and when Billy Graham died attacking him and his low grade what he called low grade atheism, which he's an atheist but has seemed to become more pronounced and uh, informative of his opinions. I really I really f- f- find him quite troubling. Uh, and someone I, would, <laughs> I really don't give a rat's patoot what he has to say about anything anymore. But who cares what I have to say about anything? Victor, um, I, we are... I don't
4: George Will. I served on the Bradley board with him. I, I like him personally. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I could not believe that he extended his antipathy for um, Donald Trump in 2018 to the entire Republican Party and called for the Democrats to get a majority, which they did, and with the majority that they have now in the Senate and that majority they picked up in 2018, that allowed for a lot of hardcore left-wing judges, it allowed to ensure the open border, it allowed... That we would not be energy independent. It greenlighted another four trillion dollars, right? And it really negated everything that he had told us for forty years. He was for exactly, and that was all. That was, and that he's not alone. I'm not coming to single him out, but my point is that a lot of these never Trumpers, in this they were so consumed and fixated on hating Donald Trump, they renounced their entire work. All Mm of their lifelong advocacy, which immediately raises the question: Was it ever? What were they? What were they? If one person can set you off in a personal spite, and then you you just disown everything you've told people, you've raised money, you've sold books, you've spoke—all of that—is then you say in retrospect, ah, forget all of that, just vote for the left now. Yeah, it really—and that's that's a good question that everybody should ponder because it's going to come up again. Uh, in this next round, because we have been reading in the dispatch from our former colleagues, and we've been reading in the bulwark a little bit more intensely. I don't read them, but that's why I hear third hand. And we know that the David Trumps the Bill Crystal, the Charles Sykes, all of those people, the Max Boots, all the people we knew, uh, on the conservative side have told us that Donald Trump was a prince of darkness, and he had polluted the entire Republican Party. And because they were such high moral stature, they could not condone or associate with or give their impromptu to anybody associated with that character. Now, there's a possibility, 50-50, that the Republican Party may or may not vote for Donald Trump in the primaries. And if they should not, and they vote for Ron DeSantis, who, according to the standards of these never-Trumpers, would fit perfectly because he is a veteran, he is an Ivy League um, graduate. Right. He's an athlete. He's a family man. He's had, he's been a congressman. He's been a governor. He has all the requisites, which traditional Republicans, the curses are norm. They all, that's what you're supposed to be. Now, what are they going to do? What are they going to do if they nominate Juan the Santos? Are they going to say, well, he still talks to Trump or he still embodies the MAGA agenda? And that would be he wants a closed border. Or he wants to reindustrialize industrialize the Midwest. He cares. Yeah. About, you know, they're going to be in a really. Uh, uh, Victor,
1: I think, though, you, we've talked about this before. I think it's more so maybe or in part uh, the toothless uh, Walmart shoppers like him. And that's the, at the nub of of this
4: disdain that many have. So, the uh, it's, of it's, Trump will not be there, won't be a never Trump movement. Yeah. Because Trump won't be there to be never against. It'll just be retitled to never any of the deplorable movement. Is that Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. Never, a, yeah. never yeah, deplorable. I'm, I'm, and and there's there's you know somebody deserves to be some historian should go back and look at the one of the one of the first real conservative races in America was in nineteen sixty five when Bill Buckley ran for mayor of New York. Okay, it was a stunt, right? But it was trying to make a point. and it surprised, did surprisingly well. I mean he had thirteen, fourteen percent of the vote but surprising for what New York City was. Do you know where that vote came from, Victor? That 13% or 14%. It came from Woodlawn in the Bronx and and the outer boroughs. It came from the outer boroughs. It came from the bus drivers and the cops and et cetera, who, who found some appeal in this conservative guy. You know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And that has been... That has been a, a, at the core of conservative voters for for years, and I just, I, I how, how um, the elite conservatives disdain these people is just beyond me. It, it really, it really, what you know who didn't disdain them was Bill Buckley. <laughs> He didn't. But his the the people who you know like to claim his legacy have no problem doing
4: that. That's my rant, sorry. Yeah, well Uh, I mean when you saw what was building in two thousand fifteen with Jeb exclamation and he had outspent I mean he had outraged everybody and he had his hands on the the reins of of all of the donor class in the Republican Party and he was going to be the annoyed. Uh, candidate, and then you saw wh- who was behind Trump. That was the first time, I mean, they had a little bit of Ross Perotism or Buchananism in it. Right, yeah. It's the first time that people who were conservative uh, really opposed the hierarchy of the McCain, uh, Romney, Bush uh, hierarchy, uh, you know, control. And that was what was received. right. But there were a lot of things that may have been unappealing about Donald Trump, but one thing that was appealing is, he was not uh, a snob, and he right. was appealing to people who were conservative and saying to them, you're not stupid. That border really should have been closed, and you're not crazy. China is a very dangerous place, and they have to pray free. And you're right. You've got highways. You've got power plants. You've got good workers in southern Ohio, Illinois, Illinois, and Michigan, and Indiana, and we're going to rebuild this industrial center. And we're not going to get in an optional war overseas. We're going to do Jacksonian with a deterrent philosophy. That that was appealing because that's not what those other people wanted. They were All they wanted to do was talk about reducing the capital. I'm for reducing the capital gains. I don't think I've ever had any capital gains very much. But I'm, you know, it makes sense to reduce it. But that's what they fixated on. That... that and privatizing social security that that's not an appealing message for most
1: no people. especially and for people who
4: um
1: of, of whether you're you know a cop on the beat or even a conservative, uh, let's say, financial trader. I mean, I think this cut across a lot of a lot of uh, classes. It, uh, you come you come home at night. You turn on the TV. This is you know pre-Trump running. Baltimore is on fire, and and the commentators are saying, and it's your it's your fault. You know, you're what the you upper middle class white guy. It's your fault, or or uh, um, you know George, not George Floyd, but Michael Brown in missouri somehow or other this is this is my fault uh wait a minute i'm going i go to church i donate I, I volunteer and i'm a bad person like uh, enough of this already i think that well, played I mean, a lot into we the. we saw
4: mitt romney remember bowing with the blm oh my and gosh and i thought oh, wait a minute my gosh. i thought to myself i live in Selma, california i came from middle class families I know middle class people. I don't have. Right. I mean, you're the one that you're Bain Capital. You took the picture with all the money around your neck. You've got all the houses. So don't don't act as if you represent a guilt ridden white population. You represent right. the people. You're cutting a private deal with BLM is what I'm trying to say. Right. They're, they if if they were honest and truthful, they're. Anger would be directed at people like you with so-called white privilege. Your father was highly connected in business, etc. But don't take on the mantle that you are sanctimoniously uh, on the side of equity and diversity, and inclusion. All the other white middle-class people don't—they um, can't match your empathy or sophistication. That's what people got angry about—that virtue yeah. signaling, virtue signaling from the white privilege class, as to say to the BLM movement or the woke movement. Hey, exempt. Pass right. my pass over my house. Right. Not, right. not theirs. Those right. are the guys that, you know, have broken teeth and they smell and they're middle class and they buy winnebagels on top. get go after them. But I'm privileged. I I and that's what everybody got angry about, the sanctimonious right
1: And the ratting out right yeah. that's how 1984 ends so, not, not me not me she did it right get them hey victor we're um we're uh overtime on this episode so and i apologize for that and i'm going to read though something that that's going to make me want to apologize even more uh, you know we end the podcast with pre- expressing our appreciation which very genuine uh, for those who listen, thank you very much. No matter what platform you're on, of course, if you're on, Char- on uh, um, uh, Apple or iTunes, you can rate the show from one zero to five stars. Uh, Victor, ninety nine point nine percent of of the ratings are five star ratings, and many people leave comments, and some people who 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 leave uh, critical comments also leave five stars. And I have to I have to read one. Victor, this was kind of Egotistical, but too bad. This is from Chips Tool, Chips O'Toole 1. And he writes, Jack talks too much, not saying anything. And <laughs> Here's what he wrote. Just an observation, I'm completely diehard on BDH. I'll listen to every word he says forever, and then I'll replay everything. However, eight minutes of the beginning of this podcast was commercials, understandable. And Jack's stuttering to get his thoughts out so that BDH could begin his podcast. Please, for God's sake, Jack, write a, a note, introduction and stick with it short succinct to the point period all thanks to the great bdh and yes jack too this is from Chris
4: it makes you Chip. feel any better every <laughs> once in a while i'm traveling yeah and i'm on a plane or i'm at the airport and somebody comes up to me and says are you the guy and there's something about the person that i know is hostile and uh-huh. i have to confess that i'll say no i'm not yeah. And that, that person, this has happened three times in my life, that person then will reveal what he or she thought of me to me. To you. And yes, <laughs> I was on a plane from San Jose down to Los Angeles once. Yeah. And a, a woman said, are you the person that I see's picture in San Jose next to a car? And I said, you know, that's very interesting. People have said that about me. I don't know who this guy is. Who is he? Well, he's an asshole and he thinks he knows everything. And he writes these things with polysyllabic words. He didn't say big words. I am sick of I don't like that guy. And I saw him once on some stupid podcast or TV. He's obnoxious (laughs) and he looks just like you. I said, I I know it. That's happened to me, but I don't know who he is. It's happened three or four times. Wow. And then, she, and then she got very friendly and said, Don't you hate all these right wing? And she was a person of color, white, white people. And I said, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and, and but it, it, you really get to hear what people think about you. Yeah. Wow. Well, no uh, yeah. And I, I like to read, I have my angry reader that, Building. yeah you, it's, I, you I, should I to, you should collect to, them as a book you really I have, should I have a lot that are yeah. that are building up i have the and then I have the not so angry readers the direct email that comes to me. I get one or two voicemail you know f u f and then I get the occasional that sunny. what's that woman's name on the view Sonny what's her name? oh
1: my gosh, the one who said the cockroaches yeah, are now, women now, yeah.
4: yeah now she you know she said that white Republican were cockroaches, right. she's a racist, and now she's after Tucker because Tucker exposed how limited she was, and she says people, because she was telling everybody to outlaw guns, you know, that we've got to get rid of them, basically the Second Amendment, and then he said, yeah, and he, he just used that as an, an object of idiocy, and he said, yes, people who live in big mansions with security guards, Right. They, of course. then of course she played the victim and said, "Tucker." Unleashed a lot of hatred toward her and now she has security. And then they found out, of course, that she moved into this historic 10 bedroom, 10 bathroom mansion oh my the, gosh. The Lehman, and had been bragging about it and had showed her on TV or on film her entire layout and bragged. And she had a security apparatus well before this. But it was, it was so funny because now she was saying that she was getting threats, but I, all I can tell you my security detail here is five dollars. <laughs>
1: right, right.
4: A, well one well, yeah. And and sympathetic Fresno County sheriffs that come by once in a while or I would talk, uh just as they drive by if I happen to be around. Yeah. And uh, you know, eight or nine ancient firearms. And I get people that, that come by a lot. Sometimes I had a guy in the vineyard not too long ago and, and an orchard nearby and he kept texting me i don't know how i got my number but i'm not leaving until you come out i'm not leaving until you come out
1: i mean he was not a not a neighbor he was he no, was a trans transgressor uh, and a when
4: somebody rings the doorbell they say i was driving down the 99 i saw the name salmo And I remember, so you were from Selma. I looked on the internet and found your address. That was scary. Right. My road that I'm on is an exit on the 99. So they just came here. And then they rang the doorbell on the wall. And they said, you know, and it's happened maybe 30 times. But nine Uh, out of 10 times the people are very polite. Yeah. And They either want to sign a book or they want to talk. Are they or they're very nice people, but every once in a while there is someone who is combative. Yeah. Uh, that gets strange. And I have part, wow. there's another person that's kind of stalked uh, us. So my point yeah. is I get really don't feel bad about that, number one, because I hear it all the time and it's I don't think it amounts to anything. And right. uh I get very tired of people who one of our former colleagues at National News used to always tell us about all the hate mail we got and how many oh people were. And, yeah. and you're the only person that happens to. None of us mention it, but it happens to everybody. I had a guy who wrote me all the time and said, if you're in Washington DC and I see you, I'm going to shoot you and I'm going to kill you. He did that all the time. I wrote, uh, he was an angry leader. I wrote him back. And finally, one of the readers who was a federal prosecutor wrote, posted and said if you I just want to inform you what, what you've done is a felony and basically said we know who you are so if you were to <laughs> oh, oh really? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh. Very, very nice of him. Yeah. Yeah. Him. When you're when people come up to you and you don't know who they are and you're you know it's it's usually a pleasant experience. They'll come up and say hi how are you? Let me tell you what I do. I don't right. mind it. I like it. But every once in a while, there's type of, you can see what the type of person is yes. coming up to you and they want to have a confrontation. Right. And a lot of them are quote unquote Karens, you know what I mean? X hippie women, about 70 now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, I'm stereotyping. When I see <laughs> a, one of those people and say, I just want, I had one, uh, two, no, three weeks ago at the Houston airport and a woman came up to me um I was waiting the baggage claim and a woman came up to me not to get a bag but to get a car I mean find a car to go she, does she know who you were I don't know if she knew my name she thought she okay. could, could see me on Fox TV or something okay. she came up to me and she just said I just want to know that everything you think and believe, I think the opposite. And I just want you to know <laughs> every s- stupid thing that you say and every stupid idiot thing you are, I have a smart answer to. Oh, my gosh. And I said, you know what? We should trade places. You should be a columnist. It's a free country. All you have to do is go on TV and write a column and tell us what your views are. That's what the system is about. She oh, I don't think so. And so, yeah, it happens a lot, but not a lot, oh, but, but en- enough to be not unusual. Right. Well, for, but for
1: people, you you live in a pretty desolate area. I mean, Selma is not a high density. And for that many people to to be like stopping it never by, probably, it's like, I know, but it, but wow. I, it,
4: it, it's never, it is never a San Joaquin Valley person. Yeah. It's somebody driving on the 99 freeway. Yeah. It's just two miles from my house in the main north-south freeway in the center of the state. It just sees Mountain View or they see Selma, yeah. and they make a detour. And, well, Victor, and it's very rare. It happens once every three or four months, but after 10 years, it adds up. Yeah. Well, that's not that may be rare for you but I think it's non-existent for most people but you have such a
1: loving fan base that uh, the people people come from afar I, to, I, to, I, uh,
4: I have some of the nicest people that yeah. I or, or call uh, or post letters or emails yeah. and they're well. they're very and I look at the comments I read all the comments they're very nice people and they're very what I'm impressed by is there are many of them are much better educated than I am they're very they say you know I really like your podcast but I think you could have said this, or I like your column, but you left out that. And, you right. know, nine out of ten times, it have gotten really good points. And yeah. From them.
1: Well, Victor, you said thank you. I said thank you. We'll say it again. Thanks to our listeners. And we will be back soon with another episode of The Victor Davis Hanson Show. Bye-bye. Thank you, everybody, for listening.